Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. My name is Sonny. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Cross Volger, the Desperate Doom Eagle. How are you doing today? Ah, Cross Volger, the Desperate Doom Eagle. Uh, that's actually very funny that you used that after uh, we talked about Vinland Saga on the Patreon episode. Uh, that's uh, I know. I, I was going through, I literally went to Dueling Book, went to Winged Beasts, and just clicked to a random page. I saw it, and I was like, it's too perfect. Cross Velger is also just such a beautiful card. Uh, 4,800 Dingus, DD Crow every turn. It's good for OTKs. It's kind of a crazy card. Yeah, you were you played you played Tri Brigade forever. You know how it is. Yeah, that card's insane. The card's really underrated. I'm, I am honored to be uh, compared to the Desperate Doom Eagle spectacular well of course before we get too far in we do want to thank all of our wonderful sponsors so of course a huge thank you to steel fox and etb games those are of course my two locals that are near me you can find tcg player links to both of those down below speaking of tcg player you can always find our affiliate link and of course our dragon shield affiliate link in the description down below click those before you shop to give us a small kickback which helps the podcast and of course be sure to check out tier zero games as well as be sure to check out grimoire tcg uh, we do have the code topcut5 works on both of their websites mm -hmm. for five percent off your order and also uh on the T tier zero games website um it orders over 50 dollars get free shipping international and then on the grimoire site they still have deck boxes available i think and there should be some play mats coming up soon. Should they, be a drop soon. Be sure they, to be following us on TCG for that. They did announce a new color on for Twitter. Their, they did announce a new color for their mats on Twitter. There's a royal red, and it looks beautiful. It's like a red and gold. Ooh, uh, and it's that's going to be awesome. It's only going to be available through giveaways on their page. So I would definitely recommend. Oh, yeah! You should definitely follow them on Twitter because so, that's sick. That. Uh, shout out to Dragon Shield too. <laughs> please yeah yep for sure uh, also uh shout out to gem accessories we also have an affiliate link with them down below i don't remember the exact uh the exact code but it is in the description you could check that out uh and if you ever want to find these links they are in the affiliates tab in our discord server you can always check it out there uh, of course a huge shout out to all of our wonderful patrons for supporting the podcast if you want the extra episode every week uh that's everybody in the five dollar and up tier gets that you get an extra episode every week and if you just want your name at the end of the episode you can get that in the one dollar and up tier so with that said let's of course go ahead and get on into today's actual discussion actual content uh so first things first let's talk about some news let's get the news out of the way what you say news i like news me too <laughs> so first piece of news is that we got phantom nightmare announced in the tcg mm -hmm. so this is of course the Ubel set as well as the horus set and you can find all of those in here as well as uh, there is a there's a ritual archetype that's in here that's the um uh, it's we know about the rituals uh it's the um the cerevis retrain um Ah, that, okay. That's that group of cars. 
Gotcha. Uh, and we also have uh, the confirmation of the TCG exclusive archetype. So there is a uh, pyro theme in here. It's confirmed because they're telling you pick up your copies of Bonfire so that when Phantom Nightmare launches in February, you can be sure to have Bonfire for the support, uh, which is also honestly going to be a good idea because on release Bonfire probably won't be that crazy expensive but it will be pretty relevant forever uh so. and uh i gotta say pain 96 is having the year of his life uh we got good fire for sure we got a meta relevant fire deck and rescue ace we got the fire king structure deck coming out we got the volcanic support uh and now we're getting a tcg exclusive pyrotype uh i this is just like on pure, top of the world this is pure speculation on my part uh I would not be surprised if they made the pyro deck ridiculous because uh, we have the TCG account. They have to know that pain is, is a thing, right? They have to know that. the Oh yeah. So I'm, I'll, we can't say for sure, but I, I'm excited. I like, it wouldn't surprise me at this point. If the boss monster is literally called like fire champion pain, like, come on, that would be, that would be cool but maybe yeah. maybe a little too tongue-in-cheek but it's it's possible we did also get a little bit of information for the age of overlord set which releases on october 20th so mm -hmm. just uh two and a half two and a half three short weeks away about two and a half weeks uh so we got a video from the konami tcg youtube page and in that video they kind of go over some of the new stuff that are coming out but there's not really too much that we didn't already know we know that we have a new labyrinth card a butler we have a couple of vanquish soul cards we know you know confirmations obviously on sp little knight uh super star slayer typhon sky crisis which um, is the new zeus adjacent card that's the go ahead they i was just gonna add minor note on that they absolutely nailed the localization on this name they made it sound yeah so sick i mean super yeah. star yeah. slayer typhon sky crisis that's like oh it's in, it's insane yeah anyway um a couple of watt cards which i don't know that we were expecting or was nope. this expected we knew about the watts everything that's like okay we knew about everything that's on this list uh, it's all been revealed um we're also getting seven new Tristina cards. That feels like a lot. It's, uh, I mean, this is how they did the gold pride too. It was like, I think it was seven. And was seven. it that much though? Yeah. Okay. The, uh, uh, also we know that the influencer reveals will be the Horus snake eyes, TG and some pack of things. Yeah. So now notably, uh, the two bits. So we know that one of the Tristina cards, we have like, we got a little sneak preview of the effect. Uh, it looks like it's going to blow up some back row. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something that we know. So we know what like one of the cards maybe does, but otherwise we don't know anything. Uh, and then gotcha. they did not confirm the rarity of SP Little Knight despite showing it off because the reveal displays it as a quarter century secret rare, which means we still don't know if it's secret or ultra. Yay. <laughs> my, my brain says that it should be an ultra. But my gut says it's going to be a secret. Does that make sense? We may find out what the influence reveals. And if we don't, then it's probably... That is true. <laughs> Our luck, the only influencer reveal that pulls it is going to be Quarter Century. Uh, so let's go ahead and get on into the... We have two new cards to talk about. They're both Phantom Nightmare. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about uh, Memento Attic Ghost or Wretched Ghost of the Memento. A Memento. This is a level 2 Dark Fiend effect monster. Attack 550, defense 400. You can only use the first and second effect of this card's name each once per turn. One, if this card is normal or special summoned, you can target one Memento card in your graveyard, except Memento Attic Ghost. Add it to your hand. Two, if this card is sent to your graveyard by a Memento monster's card effect, you can special summon this card. This card seems pretty good for the Memento archetype. And notably, it is just Necro Karibo, which is awesome. So what's interesting is that, technically speaking, this is not a Karibo. Um, so this is... True. All of the Memento cards are retrained, so I have a bunch of old cards. Um, this is an old vanilla monster that looks like Karibo, but isn't Karibo. So this is like 
a way that they kind of snuck Karibo in here. So this is really cool. Uh, it's a good card. That is cool. It seems like good value. Uh, it's also level two. Uh, so do with that information what you will. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. We would never do anything crazy with level two with level two cards, would we? I, 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 I you know, I, I would feel uh, blue if if you made me do that. Um, <laughs> that was bad. That, that yeah, I. I <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, uh, anyway, I'm gonna throw you a carrot. Uh, why don't you read the next card? Yeah, hey, that's good. Um, uh, speaking of red, uh, this is a fire card. Uh, <laughs> Magmacho Dragon. Uh, it's a level eight. And oh, you got another. He one? does kind of look like it. Yeah, he does kind of. He does kind of look like he's jetting into the set. Go ahead. He's, that was the worst one. Yeah, uh, he's gigantic. Uh, Magmacho Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're he's... we're we're very sorry. It's late for both of us. Uh, Magmacho Dragon. He's definitely not an elf. <laughs> Smashing, uh, Magmacho Dragon, level <laughs> smashing. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna cut in and I'm wait, gonna give wait. it a little. I'm gonna we're we're going on a, we're going on a tangent. Okay. So the other day, my son, he's six, and we turned on something that he's never seen before. It's kind of like um, like ancient history at this point, but we turned on Rugrats. Mm. And he's again never seen it before, and it was the Rugrats Wild Thornberries crossover movie. Truly one of the crossover events of our time. And it was so funny because in that movie, Nigel Thornberry goes, the, you know, his famous smashing line. And when it happened, I was in the kitchen doing something. I hear it, I just turn, I was like, smashing. And my son looks at me and just busts out laughing so now he just runs around the house going smashing that is that is beautiful that has made my night that is yeah. i'm just imagining little uh little mini me sunny running around yelling smashing at everybody very good yeah yeah uh all right go ahead speaking of uh magmacho dragon a level eight fire pyro effect 1800 attack 2200 defense uh, each effect once per turn First off, you can banish up to three fire monsters from your graveyard. This card gains 400 attack for each until the end of this turn. I love Evil Swarm Salamandra in the year of 2023. Uh, two. Indeed. If a face-up fire monster or monsters you control is destroyed by card effect while this card is in your graveyard, you can special summon this card, but banish it when it leaves the field, then draw one card. It's fine. Notably, it seems like it works well with the Fire King stuff, but... It has you have to get it in the graveyard to summon it, and it only triggers for monsters that are destroyed while on the field. It's like disagree. This card's crazy. Uh, this card's insane. Okay, let's pill me on this. It is a pyro extender that floats coming out in Phantom Nightmare, where there will be a TCG exclusive mm. pyro archetype. No, you're right about that. I forgot. <laughs> it's also, <laughs> notably, it's level 8, uh, which means maybe if somebody wants to play, like, Horus Volcanic, uh, maybe there's something there. What that means is that um, there's potentially a level 2 synchro that you can use with this somewhere where you can pop a pyro with Baron. That's all I'm saying. So you use this guy, in a, you use this guy and... A level two tuner make Baron, and then you use Baron to pop a Pyro on your field and summon him back. Then you link him off with something else to go into a Link monster, and then you draw a card. How do you get this which is a very hypothetical scenario? How do, you, but... how do you get this on the field in the first place, though? I feel like you're always you just be better at the game. Effect. That is correct. Uh, speaking of being better at the game, uh, people who are better than us uh, went to YCS Dortmund. Uh, and yep. uh, some and of them... the people who are way better than us did bet did stuff. <laughs> is that where we're going next? Is that is that next on the list? Did I miss anything? It, yeah, it, in fact, it is right now. So YCS Dortmund was in <laughs> fact held over the weekend. It was September thirtieth to October first, and this was interesting. Is a, a way that you could describe it. Um, there were definitely lots of decks that were played. Um, 
and they uh, many of them did definitely top the event <laughs> so i uh some of the some of the highlights in the top cut obviously congratulations to julius name i won't try to pronounce rika uh, playing Rika uh, for winning the event. Huge congratulations to you. Uh, another huge congratulations to Lucas, also name I won't try to pronounce, playing Vanquish Soul. Uh, congratulations on getting second. Good job. Uh, Lorenzo Muselli playing Unchained in th top four, as well as Sofian Belkachem playing Despia in top four. So, uh, yeah, uh, Rika, Vanquishal, Unchained, and Despia. That's what we all expected, right? Uh, so, I mean, we expected some amount of Unchained, and if you looked at the breakdown, we expected some amount of Branded. Uh, I don't think anybody expected Vanquish Soul to make this deep of a run, uh, and I don't think anybody expected Rika to win the event, although, honestly, at this point, any event larger than 2,000 players happening in Europe uh, probably is just going to get won by Sun Avalon. So... At this point, that's true. This is so for context. This is the first event that Jessica Robinson has played plant and not topped, and Rika wins anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's true. So that's wild. That is true. Um, so you want to hear something really crazy? I'm listening. There were, as far as we're aware, there are still technically two decks that are unknown. There were two duelists that played Vanquish Soul, as far as I can tell in top cut correct at this event yep both of those duelists have a character that i do not recognize in their name it looks like a b <laughs> but it's not really like a b it's more like some other language b i don't know but both of the duelists that played vanquish soul had one of those in their name so that's cool so, i don't know if it means anything but it's cool uh that's the uh that's the fighting game that they come from it's just the logo um <laughs> The uh, I was thinking that maybe they were from the same general vicinity and their testing partners and played the same deck, but that's possible too. True. So, uh, we can talk about let's. I guess we can talk about uh, some of the weird stuff. So, um, there are some strange decks that made it to top cut that maybe don't look strange at first glance, but when you go look at the lists, they're wild. And there was a lot of stuff that <laughs> almost made it that uh, is weird. So, for those of you who saw the big story, was actually lithium. Uh, who day one <laughs> went seven and two on Domain Monarch <laughs> was at one point was we like, live in a world at one point was like six zero. <laughs> um, we live in a world. So uh, the problem is that unironically, it's not a bad meta call. Uh, he won all of his unchained matchups because uh, March of the Monarchs prevents targeting. So if you tribute summon a Vanity's Fiend or a Majesty's Fiend and you prevent it from being targeted unchained can do nothing <laughs> they don't have a way to interact with it and uh caesar is completely useless against a deck that does not special summon uh also against pearly if you stick majesty's fiend you win because they can't exceed summon uh <laughs> and uh against uh yep the, that'll stop them against the branded chimera deck uh if you prevent them from special summoning they don't have anything that can beat over the vanity's fiend uh <laughs> so is this deck good no but are we in a format where you can play it? Yep. And we're in a format where you can play anything. We yep. saw we saw in round 10, Scrap Vernasilf still in contention on feature match. Um, the deck is really sick. They really do be playing. They really do be playing anything out here, huh? Yeah. Uh, round six was uh, undefeated Blackwing versus undefeated Virtual World. And the Virtual World player made top 64. Um Ending on Chuche, uh, Lars, Totembird, Shen Shen. <laughs> and that's the board. Um, Not a, only did they make top 64, but that Blackwing player bubbled out in the last round. It was brutal. Um, some stuff that did make top 64 that's worth talking about. Uh, a lot of tier limit. Uh, there was... Yeah, like a lot, a lot. Tier was the most represented deck in top cut. Uh, followed very closely by Unchained and notably tier's not like a majority of top cut but there were a lot of tier players uh, Arise Heart being gone means that you can mill again uh, and mill they certainly did although an interesting development uh, Chessy Cotton posted a video like two days before the YCS saying like hey guys you need to cut King of the Swamp because it's bad uh, and if you look at the lists that went farther into top cut those were the lists that weren't playing King of the Swamp the goal is that yeah. 
you need to have more mills that are alive, and King of the Swamp relies more on luck. So you need to raise your floor instead of raise your ceiling in a wide meta. So that's like the base argument. He's also been saying to not play King of the Swamp since the deck came out. That's, Literally since the deck released. That is true. Um, some I remember standing behind Logan and Brian at Niagara while they were recording his second place deck profile. I was literally standing directly behind them telling the lady at the, like the security person at the venue like hey we're recording a youtube video this is like a big deal within our community it, he just got second place at this tournament we really need to finish recording this video like can you please give us just a couple of minutes to record and the lady was like oh, i guess you know like she was really upset about it understandably so they're trying to close the venue yep. but i remember standing behind logan and brian while they were recording jesse cotton's deck profile after he got second at niagara and him just going yeah i didn't play king of the swamp that card is bad you shouldn't play king of the swamp <laughs> yes i was like information overload he's he's he's, he's been ahead of and the this is a year ago this is i mean jesse has been ahead of the curve on everything almost all the time yeah uh, so some other Speaking of lots of tier limit, some stuff that had fallen off. Um, Dragon Link got very popular again. Uh, Drew Whisper was really good right now, so that makes sense. Even post Chaos yes. Space Limit, it was like the third most represented deck. Uh, and um, Branded also came back in a big way. Uh, Chimera variants uh, and, and just pure Branded variants. Uh, Top 64 had a Despia Synchro build. And the goal is that you like you don't activate Branded Fusion turn one. You activate it turn three after building like a Synchro board. Uh I believe hmm. Nesh has been experimenting with it. Um, but it is a thing that you can do. Um, there was a virtual world deck there. Uh, Fluandries made top four and had a lot of representation in top cut. Pearly fell off a cliff. Um, yeah. In top 64, one Pearly player did make it to top eight and they were playing Pearly Sprite, but a lot of the Pearly players flamed out early and not nearly as many made top cut as expected. I think this is because more people are playing DD Crow. Um, and because of all the tier players, there are more shufflers present, which are a huge problem for pearly players who want to get their spells from the graveyard onto their Xyz monsters. Um, so I think to top it off with um, the hand trap meta changing, uh, I think pearly was in a weaker position, generally speaking. Um, there are a couple of like weird one-off decks that tops two. Somebody was playing Chimera Melfi uh, and made top 32. Uh, there was a Makonko player in top 32. There was a Drytron player in top 64. Uh, I think we could start to see more Drytron. Monadium showed up big time. Um, I was about to say that one. Yeah, that, that was one I wanted to bring up next is that Monadium had like a measurable representation of top cut. Yep. Like uh, people playing still aren't like super big on hand traps. Like Ash is a thing, but... Uh, Monadium can play through an Ash pretty easily. Um, and importantly, there was not a lot of Droll. Uh, Droll is in like some side decks, but it wasn't in a lot of main decks at all. So Monadium got to play. Um, so the that's kind of like the, the deck breakdown. Oh, there was also a 14-year-old who got top 64 unbranded. That was hilarious. I thought he was nine. Uh, no, he's 14. Nine was like a, okay. Zodiac, a Zodiac dualist clickbait thing. But oh, okay. A, I, a I child, know. a child. Um, yeah. Literally, just like barely not uh, eligible for dragon duels anymore. Um, I think it's really interesting, also, that um, the uh, the Dortmund YCS. You see the representation of Chimera fall quite a bit. Uh, this is a deck that I think I've been watching pretty closely, personally, because I think that the deck is really cool, interesting, and varied. Uh, and of the Chimera lists that topped, there was four Chimera lists that topped. Uh, three of them fell out in top 64. One made it to top 16 before it fell out. Uh, one of the top 64 ones was Chimera Melfi, yep. which I personally think is really interesting. Uh, uh, like, I think we also have... Something a little bit different this format than what we maybe normally have, which is normally at the beginning of formats, you see control decks like you. It's always been invoked and then it was Eldlich and then it was now it's Labyrinth. You see these control decks pop up early in formats because 
a lot of times early in a format it's very predictable what the best deck is going to be for example at the beginning of last format it was very clear that Kashira was going to be the best deck well now when you're in an open format that's it's not clear what the top five decks are it's harder to play that control strat like labyrinth because when you're focused on playing specific trap cards that do things in different matchups it gets a lot less reliable to be able to tailor your deck your main and side deck to matchups because you don't know what you're going to see i think hand traps are a little bit more varied in their usage for example, Ash Blossom is going to be useful against everything, right? Where Ice Dragon's Prison might not be. So I think that the Labyrinth decks have been playing the more mid-rangey style of the furniture builds. And I think that they're going to have to go backwards Floodgate builds to be more relevant because that is the version of that deck that is widely applicable. And in this open of a format, you're not going to see a you're not going to see a deck that has to tailor towards specific matchups be successful. I agree with that. We saw only three Labyrinth decks top. One of them made it, I think, to top 16. Um, so there was an interesting tech that came out of Labyrinth. Yes. They've had to adapt. Uh, a couple of the Labyrinth lists were playing Runic Flashing Fire and no other Runic cards um, for a few reasons. It's occasionally offerings to the Doomed, uh, but more importantly, it's Solemn Judgment. Uh, if your opponent activates Duster or uh, Lightning Storm, which are more popular now because uh, Runic has fallen out of the format, so people are off Cosmic. Uh, Flashing Fire brings out the Hugin, which protects your back row. Um, but it also it also makes it easier to flex into Chaos Angel because it's a light level 2. So you can make a Chaos uh, yeah. Angel with both effects. So you get like multiple uses out of your Flashing Fire, depending on how you want to do it. And the other thing they're doing is, because Tear is popular, uh, the Labyrinth... Uh, gamers are back on the shufflers to pitch with the furniture uh so yeah <laughs> so that's fun um lots of cool tech a lot of triple tactics thrust in uh <laughs> another deck that i want to mention uh that also fell off extremely hard is uh rescue ace this deck had one in all of top cut it had one six top 64 and that was it I view this deck in the same way that I pretty much view Vanquish Soul in that it is a resource-based mid-range strategy that it's as close to mid-range control as it gets. Both of them are. They are, like I said, they're resource-based mid-range strategies that I, I don't think personally that either of these decks have the power ceiling to truly be competitive. I mean, they're obviously they're good decks, right? Like, when you go into the matchup, you respect the deck for being competitive. But me personally, I don't take that matchup. I don't see those decks as being as much of a threat within the meta as something like Tier Limit, Unchained, Dragon Link, Pearly, etc. Yep. Rescue Ace has a few things going against it. Um, a wide format means that its answers are kind of tricky. Um, it is a deck that is capable of making Dweller, but both Tier Lament and Unchained uh, decks now have access to Droplet. Droplet is a problem because it deals with Ibli, it deals with a Dweller, and it deals with what they've been doing lately, which is Barrier Statue of the Infernos. Um, so the all of their stuff that they use to counter the meta, people can play the cards that beat those again more frequently now that Arise Heart is gone, and so they struggle with that. As well, back for removal shifting from Cosmic back to Blowout cards, like Evenly Matched, Lightning Storm, and Duster, make their uh, their back row a lot weaker. Um, they might have to start maining cards like Solemn Judgment that put them at like bad problems going second or have other matchup issues. You mentioned that the control decks have to adapt to a wide format, and I think that's actually why Rika won this event. Rika is a deck that yeah. can tailor its interaction on a whim, and it has like varied interaction. Not only is there not a lot of droll being played in people's main decks, but Rika can play under hand traps. Uh, it can set up varied interactions in different places of your board. You've got the princess in the graveyard of the hand. You've got the sheet, which won them the finals. Um, you've got the Bengalancer for the bounce. You've got the Hyperiton for spell negates for all the thrust and the tactics that are running around. It, it can 
it can build a board. You got floodgates out of the side. Like if you want a cactus bouncer, Naturia Rose Whip. Um, so it can. You got thrust for spiritual art, Owie. If you get hand trapped, you still get a hand rip. You can, t in a wide format, being able to tailor your board is super important. And I think Rika is a deck that has that ability. So even if it's maybe not the best choice for a power level, it's a very good choice for being able to confidently go first against a room where everything is being played. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think that in this kind of a format, being able to play a high combo ceiling deck, I think we saw the same thing with the Makonko deck that topped. When you end up with these high ceiling decks, like in a wide open format, a deck with a high ceiling, in my opinion, is going to be more impactful even over the course of say 15 rounds because when you're in a targeted format where it's very it's very tight format with three maybe four highly competitive decks decks like labyrinth creep in because they can tailor their strategies towards that whereas when you're in a really wide open format i've always found that that's when those very high combo ceiling decks win a lot more is because of their ability to go over the top of most other strategies. Your combo decks are going to go over the top of a control deck that isn't tailored. Your combo decks are going to go over the top of a mid-range deck that might not be able to put in the right hand traps or board breakers for every matchup, right? So the mid-rangey decks have to choose, am I playing impactful cards like board breakers or am I playing hand traps? And the hand traps that you have to play in a mid-rangey deck in a format like this are not cards like Droll, are not cards even like Shifter in a lot of respects because the format is so wide open that you can't rely on those, right? It, like a control deck has to play the Floodgates, but ironically, like any kind of a mid-rangey strategy can't play the Floodgatey hand traps. They have to play things like Ash, things like Imperm, things like Valor, Ghost Bell, because of their wide application. And I think that a combo deck is something where you need tailored, tailored answers to stop it. Drytron, you need a Droll. Right? Every ritual deck of all time, you need Droll, right? <laughs> things like, but but things like that, right? Where a, a control deck needs to be able to tailor their matchup. A mid-range deck needs to be able to play the field. And when those two things are at odds, then combo comes in to go over the top of both of them when they don't know what to do. And that's how you get Rika. That's how you get Mana Diem representing a larger number of top cut. And that's how at a, a Dunedin regional in New Zealand, uh, you get Kashira Scareclaw in top eight because the Scareclaw engine lets Kashira be more combo-y and go over the top. Yep. Um some stuff to talk about i guess with like uh regional results they mirror the ycs pretty heavily there's a couple of stuff that snuck in there's a phantom knight deck that did well um we see another drytron salad like there's lots of decks that you can play right now um at a in fact the uh, i think it's nathaniel christmas is his name the guy who topped uh, nationals on hero at an 835 player la regional this weekend he got second uh on uh on hero uh so you can play you can play basically anything if you have a competent list however there isn't so like honestly from a gameplay perspective this might be one of the most fun formats we have ever had uh you can play a ton of different decks the most represented deck in the room is sitting at like 13 to 15 percent of the room so you're guaranteed to have a yeah. lot of varied matchups um however a lot of these decks are playing thrust. Uh, if you look at stable yeah. breakdowns, uh, it's like Ash, Harpy's Feather Duster, um, uh, Triple Tactics Talent, and then just behind that is Triple Tactics Thrust. A lot yes. of it in main boards, a lot of it in side boards. Uh, a lot of decks are elevated by it. Uh, you are at a disadvantage if you're not playing it. Uh, like the top, I think, yes. I think the top four lists are all playing three of it. Um, this is something that we talked about in the last episode is that at this point it's too versatile of a card it represents too much of an advantage in deck building yep. 
you have to play thrust i hate to say that but like there are decks i'm even imagining it in sword soul right like imagine what it does in sword soul it goes and gets a vessel it gets blackout right it gets you know emergence it gets the sacred summit it it does everything yeah it's and the thing is there are decks that don't want to play it um but those decks are either playing prosperity which is cheaper but still expensive or are at a disadvantage the virtual world deck for example is not playing prosperity or uh or thrust but top 64 rogue deck that you can sneak in with uh pearly right can get away without playing thrust because they don't have a lot of stuff they want to search with it but it's good for board breakers and they play prosperity um dragon link can play without thrust actually a fair number of the dragon link lists uh tier lament also doesn't play thrust but uh the the tier deck has some other expensive stuff uh so there are options for not playing thrust but there are a lot of decks that like they're unchained decks all of them are playing thrust all of them that made top cut are on three yeah and that is i would imagine all the despia decks are too the vast majority of them are yep including the 14 year old uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're on three thrust um <laughs> one day i'm gonna buy my son all the all the Yu-Gi-Oh cards he wants I'm, i'll buy him all the expensive cards i don't care yeah true you uh you won't use them they'll be uh you'll you're you'll you're gonna grind the dragon duel circuit i guess um as long as he lets me film his top cut deck profiles i don't care i'll buy him all the cards <laughs> That's that's a that's a content-brained uh, father right there. Um, All right. Well, we have other things we yeah, want to get to. Stuff. So questions. I, as great as this is, it's not the only thing to talk about here. So uh, we also want to go ahead and our way of thanking you, the listeners, for uh, all, being good community members with good community engagement. Is sometimes we like to do mailbags. So today. We, uh, I went ahead and I put out a post in our Discord server asking everyone to send in their mailbag questions for today's episode. If you want to be able to send your questions in for the next episode or the next time that we do this, rather, be sure to go ahead and join our Discord server so you get the call outs when these things happen. So, first question Do you think Shadals will ever come back into relevance? Yeah, they are right now. They're being played in the Tillament decks. Like, they're good. They are, it's a playable engine as its own deck, not without external support. Yep. Uh, Shadals' role right now is a small one to three card package in uh, Tillament. Um, so, it is meta relevant right now. Uh, some of them are playing Windows, some of them are not. Uh, all of them are on Beast, and then it's a matter of if you want to play Squamata and Hell Shadal Hollow. Uh, Hollow's pretty good because it gets you an extra mill, and obviously if you're playing stuff like King of the Swamp, you have the option to make Winda. Uh, some, you can still make Winda without it, actually. Um, the other thing that it sees like niche play in is as a sideboard piece. Shadal Fusion is like a side deck blowout card is pretty decent, but it hasn't seen much play of that as of yet. Uh, Shadal will get support. It's a fan favorite deck. It got a whole structure deck. There will be more Shadal cards in the future, so it will be. It's just a matter of in what capacity. Right now, it's just a mini engine. Yeah. It could come back. They could print a card tomorrow that would break shit all again. It's, it's very possible. Yeah. Uh, Next question. Is it healthy for tier limits to come back to meta relevance? I I think the deck would be fine right now if the Ishizu cards were banned. I think if the Ishizu cards were banned, you could do, honestly, two of every tier limit name, and I'd be fine with it. I think it's fine, honestly. Like, I, I, I think I would like... I would like the Shuffler's Band for sure. Um, I don't know that the yeah. the Millers probably should go, but like honestly, I think you could ban the Shufflers and it would be a lot more fair, even just there. It's not. Yeah, I agree. Tier is not overwhelmingly powerful. Uh, probably will receive another hit if we're being real. The Horus builds are a little scary, uh, and I suspect Konami will nudge people away from Tier. But um, right now, it's not bad. I think it's totally fine. Yeah. Why do you think Rika does so well at EU events? Uh, I do have a theory about this, actually. So, uh, if you okay. watch, if you watch the feature matches that Rika was uh, shown up on, almost all of their opponents screwed up. Uh, specifically, like the I think it's the top sixteen match. Uh, the sprite player uh, had two imperm and used them just horribly wrong. And if you like watch the feature mm. matches all of the players are like picking up and reading the Ricka cards. So despite it winning multiple events, it is still not respected. 
most of the player base does not know how to play against it. Uh, yes. Once people learn, it will still be good, but when people start using hand traps against him more optimally, it will struggle more. Um, yes. The, the other reason is actually that the events are bigger. Um, when you have an event that's like 2,500 people plus, um, your early rounds you, is a higher likelihood of playing against somebody who's worse than you, right? At like True. a YCS rather than a Nationals. So getting to the top cut is still very, very difficult, but it's easier and you're going to play against more people who do not know the matchup. Uh, so I think you can get yourself to a spot where you have a shot easier than somebody playing another deck might. And it's like, it's clearly powerful enough that people should respect it. Also, Jessica Robinson made a deal with the devil. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? I think that there's also, there's also things to be said. Uh, my personal explanation would be that the Ricka cards... Uh, if you have not already read them and do not already know in advance what they do, uh, it's going to be a lot easier for these decks to top at European events because the cards are in different languages on top of it. So too many languages, too many words, different languages, too much going on. You just don't read it and boom, before you know it, you got Petal, Kong, Kong, Princess or whatever. I don't know what they do, but because i also haven't read the cards well, that's that's what i'm saying but, like most people don't know but i think the, okay if, if you want me to tell you the actual reason that most people still haven't read these cards still don't show the deck the respect that it clearly deserves the reason for that is because the representation for the deck is so absurdly low generally speaking that even though it's a fan favorite, even though it's a deck that a lot of people like playing, the representation numbers are low and people figure, ah, yeah, it's a good deck, but I won't actually have to like play against it. Yeah. We'll see. And then somebody sweeps it. It is like, it's tough because there's like maybe 20 people on planet Earth who know how to play that deck at a high level. But uh, like they have shown that if they decide to play the deck, they're going to go top. This was the first event Jess didn't top on it. Uh, uh, Marcus Patel went to Cancun and just like casually walked up to top 32 with it. Um, it's seen tops at other nationals. Uh, at some point, if you're if you're learning how to play against Rescue Ace, you should be learning how to play against Rika. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I, at some point, we're going to have to remember just imperm the Aroma Seraphy Jasmine, but... Nope, not the first one. Hit the second one. The second one? It's not once per turn. You hit the second one. So, for example, in the sprite matchup, I think, so, the in the feature match, there were two spots that the Imperms got used. Both of them, I think, were, one of them was justifiable, but was a gamble. The second one was wrong, for sure. So, the first one, uh, the Link won the Dryass. Imperming it is not bad, but it's risky, because if they have an extender into another loci, the Link one is not once per turn. So if they can make it again, they just go get to search. They get to go search something anyway. Right. And in this case, they had the Rika that lets you tribute a uh, plant to special one from hand, and they had the second loci. They just go loci and a dry ass at the sowing. The second one, imperming the Jasmine, was the wrong move because Jasmine again is not once per turn. So if you imperm the search effect of Jasmine, they'll just make a second one and use the tribute effect. So you either wait for the yeah. second Jasmine effect, or better yet, you wait for the Moodon so that you can stop the sheet from getting there, and then that's another layer of interaction you don't have to deal with as much. Uh, it's kind of like ashing the first effect versus the second effect of... Uh, assault. Uh, the war Assault, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, notably, it's not always that cut and dry. Uh, the I am not an expert. I... I am also guilty of not knowing it very well. There are people who play Rika who will probably correct me, but that was just my observation as somebody who's been learning. Uh, it is hard. Be it's a lot like Hero, where you're like, you never know exactly the right place is very dependent on the hand. Like, for example, Imprint yeah. the Dryas there would have been great if there wasn't access to another seed or if there wasn't right. more expansion. <laughs> so it's hard. But so anyway, that's the point is that it's like, you probably aren't going to play against it, and it's hard to learn, but at this point, you probably have to. Because if you don't know, you're going to get smoked. Okay. <laughs> I think that there are some really, really, really good questions here. So what I'm going to do is... 
I'm gonna blow through some of the easier questions, and then we can try to tackle some of the harder ones at the end. So I want to be sure that we yeah. can do as many as possible. Okay. One of the one of the important All ones. Right. Uh, are you going to sock on? <laughs> go. Please join our Discord and go to mailbag questions if you want to see one of uh, the most epic. Ones okay, of all listen. Time. <laughs> I was working. You have every excuse. I was you. wanting to interact with the community and i was interested in potentially going to a convention if i got to see and meet community members uh, i'm sorry that my excitement got the better of me and that i did not catch the d's nuts joke immediately so oh anyway continue sorry also you know who you are get ready to get banned idiot <laughs> all right so uh what good reprints would you like in maze of millennia curry cara uh tier limits sprites Guardian Camaro. Uh, give me uh, Artemis Slay, Curry Kara. Like you said, Tier Limits and Sprite would be amazing. Uh, I would obviously like to see Access Code Talker reprinted again. That would yes. be very nice. Uh, but my number one card that absolutely, positively, 100% has to get reprinted literally for the health of the game, either that or gets banned, is Thrust. Yep. There's no in-between. It either needs an immediate reprint or it needs to be banned. This car cannot be $100 and in every deck list. It's ridiculous. I, agree. I understand that that's how, that's how the game works sometimes, but it's ridiculous. Yep. Um, with the release of the two-player starter set on the horizon, what two decks would you like to see made into a two-player starter set? Ooh, to play against each other? Yep. Uh, so I think my my theory is that the current ones are already synchro and Xyz based. So I think that you kind of want pendulum and link based archetypes or strategies. Oh, um, be a good pendulum deck to get people to play. Uh, Abyss Actor Dino could Mist? be cool. Dino Mist could be cool. A metal. I think is actually... the issue that you run into. I think the issue that you run into with uh, something like Abyss Actors is that it's a little bit too like combo heavy and combo intensive, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you do have to kind of, and it, you have like some weird locks to manage. It might be a little tricky. Dynamist would be very simple. Dynamist would be very like, yeah, you can do some combos, but you're like either you're doing some OTKs or you're like doing control stuff with howling and doing some protection stuff and playing a resource game. So that might be better. So, like a link deck, that would be cool. Appliancer would become my fun. first thought was, my first thought was Tri Brigade. That would be great, actually. That would be good. Yeah, or if not Tri Brigade, uh, to be honest with you, Prank Kids, and it even it would even build upon previous types with like uh, by having the fusions and stuff. Tri Brigade versus Sword Soul would be pretty darn good. Yeah, the only issue is that Sword Soul is just better. Or at least it is with Tenyes. Without Tenyes, it's actually not better. But Yeah. Pure Tenyes would be kind of cool. Anyway. But put for that. Oh, make it a Tri-Brigade Sprite deck. Oh. That, that would be cool. such a cool, like... That would be cool. That would be such a cool one. All right. Uh, what generation of Pokemon has the best games? I have a very heavily biased answer for this. My answer is five. Uh, black and white two are the best games in the series bar none in my opinion uh but i think there's a lot of valid answers to this question it's it's a lot of it is nostalgia based uh and mine is heavily 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 biased through nostalgia my opinion is that gen 4 has the best pokemon games i love gen 4 heart soul silver is my favorite pokemon game i just i personally i think black and white 2 are the best games but i love soul silver i love platinum and diamond and pearl i personally that was the main generation that was the one that i like went to the store went to gamestop on release day and got copies of pokemon diamond and pokemon heart gold mm -hmm. or actually diamond was a few days later but i got platinum release day and heart gold release day nice and to me that's the last generation that you see that formula of pokemon really followed because gen 5 you don't get any remakes as well as you also do not get the you also don't get the um like the third game like diamond pearl platinum gold silver crystal you don't get that anymore instead of it says yep. black two and or yeah black two white two and 
it's not a problem it's not it's a good i think it's a good step forward but it's definitely the first time that we see pokemon finally breaking the mold and being like hmm i think that we could be doing something different maybe better and i respect that but i like that in gen 4 we have the probably the definitive remakes of any pokemon game in gold silver or uh gold, heart gold soul silver and i think maybe one of the best inter introduction to a to his generation games in gen 4 with uh diamond Plat diamond pearl i think diamond pearl are masterpieces honestly i love diamond and pearl the only criticism of them is like the the battles being slow but i love the world i love i love the visuals yeah. i miss i miss 2d I miss, I, miss I I like Cyrus as a villain too. I like Cyrus a lot. Uh, uh, T I, I, I'm a fan of Team Galactic. I'm a fan of Team Galactic. Um, that's a big one. Okay. What's it like being? A uh, I can't read. I can't read this one. <laughs> uh, I'm having to scroll. Uh, how do you explain to friends, family, and coworkers what you're doing when you disappear for weekends to go to events? So, I think this is actually interesting. I originally was really secretive, almost. I was very, I was almost like ashamed. Yeah. And w when I decided to dedicate an entire room of my house to becoming a studio and card sorting sanctuary, uh. I basically gave up all all pretenses of being secretive about this. Now I've just given up. I say I'm going to a tournament and it's gotten to the point where they're like, oh, cool. Where's the tournament at? And I tell them and they say, are you going to win? And I say, no. And they say, then why are you going? And I say, because all my friends are there and I like hanging out with my friends. They say, oh, okay. That makes sense. Yep. So well, once people realize that it's just a vehicle to, to go have fun, <laughs> it's not really an issue. Some people might think that it's weird and that... I mean, in some cases, that's fair. But in other cases, that's just somebody who clearly doesn't care about you and what you enjoy and, and what you want to do with yourself. Yeah. Right. There's there's not much point in uh, like at, for, at work, for example, like I just tell people, yeah, I've got like if I, I book time off, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm uh, I'm flying to a different country to uh, <laughs> to go play Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, it's funny. I had I had a coworker ask me just recently uh, if I thought Blue Eyes or Dark Magician was cooler. Uh, and as much as I am like, please God, do not ask me that question. You're asking me to pick between uh, white bread and brand name white bread. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I, have, I mean but, the answer is Dark Magician. But, but I appreciate yeah. the thought. That was also my answer. They asked me who was the best God card, and I said Slifer. Uh, but um, that's objectively false. But whatever. Anyway. It's uh, just tell people okay. what you're doing. I think it's the coolest. I think it's the coolest, but I don't think it's the best. Uh, so we have a question for one of our moderators. I'm not going to answer this, but I'll read it out loud just to perpetuate it. Um, why is Opelousa a floodgate? We all want to know why this discourse continues to perpetuate in your corner of the content creator sphere. It's not. It's all not right. Next question. Gate. Also from Mirren. Yeah. Which era of the game has the best gameplay? DMGX, 5D, Zexal, Arc, VR, 7s. Uh, I am, of course, obviously an adamant Edison enjoyer, so naturally not 5Ds. It's definitely Zexel. For sure, Zexel. I I mean, Edison was before... There are no Xyz I know. in Zexel, right? Or no Xyz monsters in Edison. Correct. I, I, that's why I say Zexel is the best. I firmly believe that Zexel era of Yu-Gi-Oh! was the best era in Yu-Gi-Oh!'s history. Bar none. I think I, and I don't think it's close. I probably agree with you. I think aside from the stain of like Dragon Ruler, uh, it's not even Dragon Ruler. It, I think the stain is Dino Rabbit wind up in Zector format, yeah. like in play. And even then, now if you go back and play those, you're like, wow, this is fun, engaging, and enjoyable gameplay. Yeah, no, I uh, Vegas format is one of my favorite formats to play. Uh, hat format is good. Vegas format is better. Uh, I love. Yep, hat format was the last format of Zexel. So I'm a big fan. Uh, what is your astrological sign? And can a white girl guess it by looking at you? Um, no, she can't because it's all a myth anyway. And I am a Virgo. 
Uh, I am a Gemini, and I am also a twin, which is very funny. Very nice. <laughs> so probably every time you bring up that you have a twin. Uh, how often do you yeah. think about the Roman Empire? I mean, l recently, because I've been watching Vinland uh, Saga. Saga fairly frequently, believe it or not. It's uh, you end up, yeah. There's like little bits and pieces. It's uh, it's set in the, the shadow of the fall of the Roman Empire. But uh, I, yeah, I, I aside from that, I, I can't say I think about it. Uh, if uh, if you're into stoicism, cool. Uh, but Marcus Aurelius can shove it. He's been dead for too long. See ya. Yeah. What is it like being a Saints fan? Pain. Uh, try and explain the pain and joys to Skyhawk. There's I, too much. No, I understand. We, we, have, we have five minutes left. That is, and that is a five-hour saga. We don't have time. Uh, are we in a graveyard meta right now, and does that make Exosister a top pick heading into this new format? No, it's quite the opposite. Uh, D-Shifter's not even being played. So, Aside, except for no. in, uh, Flu. The Vanquish Soul players are actually It's side-decked side in Flu. Uh, I think Shifter will start to come back, um, especially now that Tear and uh, Unchained are still the top two decks. Uh, the Vanquish Soul players are also siding it, uh, as are the Sprite players. But you're right that it's like, I think Exosister has too many problematic matchups still. And in a wide mm -hmm. format, Exosister is not as good because Exosister is like a targeted anti-meta strategy. Uh, wide yeah. format has problems. All right, uh, based on top 64 from Dortmund, do you think that Rika is an obvious anti-meta pick? Kind of on the reasons that I stated earlier for your um, control issues versus mid-range issues versus combo being able to go over the top of them. I don't think it's necessarily obvious anymore, but I do think that it has always been a pretty strong uh, non-off-meta pick. I don't think it's anti-meta. I think it's off-meta. Uh, and I think that it will continue to be a strong off-meta pick. It's like anti-meta if your meta is 20 decks. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, why is Taylor Swift the best thing to happen to the Chiefs since Joe Montana? This one is incomprehensible uh, to me. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> uh, so Taylor Swift is dating the Kansas City Chiefs starting tight end Travis Kelsey. And uh, it's been a joy to watch her at the games reacting every time he gets makes a play. Uh, and there's theories hap there's theories going around right now that um, the NFL is purposefully rigging the Chiefs games to make Taylor Swift happier in games and also so that her fans don't revolt if she gets upset. So, so yeah. Um, recently, Jesse Cotton has said many times that he does not like hand traps, preferring utility board breakers to them in most instances. While Pack has been the 15 hand traps in every mid-range deck type of player, where do you fall in the spectrum? I think that you have to evaluate the meta and make your choices accordingly. I think that in heavy, in more combo-heavy formats, I think I would be more interested in playing board breakers. And I think that in more hand trap or in more... Uh, mid-rangey formats you have to play a lot of hand traps and i think that the best thing that you can do is a deck that accommodates both of these hello everybody i would like to introduce you to sword soul so i uh i am i probably lean to the board breaker side of things in most formats i think in a game that is as fast as it is now you have to be trying to extract value wherever you can board breakers often offer a lot of value um and i think especially because a lot of the formats lately we haven't had a lot of hard negation so board breakers tend to be very high impact obviously you evaluate it as the format goes on but to be honest with you i can't remember the last time that i played a deck with more than nine hand traps in it uh partially that's just the play styles that i tend to gravitate towards um but i i obviously have to do it as formats move but i am probably closer to the side of board breakers in most formats than i am to hand traps where will TG fall on the tier list with its new support? I haven't heard much about it since the announcement of the new cards. I'm assuming it's not looking good. Also, what do black wings need to be considered higher than rogue? I feel like it is worth mentioning that while we haven't heard a lot about TG within the TCG, I think that a lot of people don't realize that these archetypes get brought up, mentioned, new support, very cool. And then nobody talks about them again until most of the time unless it's something like tier limit ishizu where it's clearly going to be the best deck in a tier zero format 
a lot of times these things kind of slip under the radar until the set has already released. Yep. Uh, a great example of this. <sighs> I don't know. I don't feel like thinking about it, but there are examples of this virtual world. Nobody even knew what the virtual world cards did until release weekend. And then it was topping everywhere, even though it had been topping in the OCG for months, uh, which we don't really see that with CGs, but I think that we could here. The, the, so I do have an example for you. Uh, it's in a gov. Um, Monadium is getting a busted six star synchro, uh, that True. I think will elevate that deck a lot. And maybe more importantly, normal summonable Vsauce star frost, uh, which yeah turns on a lot of hands um the tg yeah. cards are crazy they all read crazy but you have to play tg uh and yeah i fail to see why you would play tg if you could be playing drytron or monadium so i think i think it's playable but and it's possible that we like we'll have no idea until somebody comes up with the brew i there's probably some like tg one tricks that have been just like that have been brewing and just telling nobody um so just laving it into the ground yeah my guess is that it turns out that people play it and it'll be a lot like the the red dragon archfiend structure deck where it's like this deck is cool it's just that there's something better that does the same thing so it has a role right. maybe once like monadium gets ban listed into oblivion people will start playing tg but I don't think so. All right, we're going to hit a couple of the big questions and we're going to hit them fast. Yep. Do you think that the new Agov support will shift the meta with archetypes like Snake Eyes, Diabellsaur, or do you think it will stay as as is, as unchained as top deck, etc., with little to no shift? I think the meta will absolutely shift. Uh, I think that Diabellsaur is more of an engine than an actual full deck, but I think that this is the kind of place where you start to see that, that engine kind of creeping up everywhere. And... I don't think that we, the meta will necessarily be unchained top deck just because it really isn't that right now. There's just no defined top deck. It was that definitely about two weeks ago, but now you look at it, it's like, ah, I don't really know what the top deck is, right? Uh, I think it shifts the meta, but it's not drastic. Uh, Monadium gets better. Uh, notably, I don't think, I actually don't think Diabellstar is very good as an engine in a lot of decks. Uh, I think DBL Star was popular in the OCG largely because it did quite a lot under Max C, but we don't have to worry about that. Mm. Notably, the DBL the DBL Star engine makes Rescue Ace much more consistent. So we will see. Post, okay. So post Agov, we're going to see more Rescue Ace, more Monadium. Uh, the Horus cards are kind of an unknown factor. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they're good enough, but people will try. Uh, and obviously, fair. I think I think it's there's a very slim chance that Tistina is good, but maybe these seven cards are busted beyond belief. Uh, so, short long the short the the long answer is probably, but there are a few things to consider, and it's not going to be drastic. And the short answer is yeah, it changes, but like, mm. yeah. Do you think getting a set that promotes the use of engines in decks again will be good or bad for the game? I know we've already seen some engine usage in this format like DDD and Unchained, but Agov really pushes that further with cars coming in it, I think. What is cars? Maybe DBL Star is what they meant. Uh, kind of like when we got Brave Adventure. I don't think that... I guess if, if what Skyhawk said is true a moment ago, I don't think... I guess the engine aspect of this set might not quite be as... Not... Bleh might not be quite as drastic as we th think it could be but at the same time i do think that there is a world where we do end up in more of like an engine based thing in which case i think that that is markedly worse for the game i think that when you get in these formats where it's just a ton of engines in the same decks I don't like that personally. I really hated when every deck was an adventure DPE deck. I really, really hated that. I personally am a very big fan of each archetype doing their own thing. I think that right now the format's extremely cool. Uh, it's just that it's not well maintained. I understand that cards like D Barrier and Erad didn't get banned on the recent ban list, but they really should be. So it's like... We're enjoying this one really cool format that we're having right now. Understanding that sitting just under the surface, it's like a it's like a sidewalk in New York City. It all looks fine and dandy at the surface, but you know that if you go just under the surface, it's just a giant chasm of chaos. So, ah. 
Uh, that scares me, and I, mean, I don't want I don't uh, want engines. I have a slightly different take on engines. I think engines are cool. I think engines can enable decks that need assistance to do well. I think the problem is when every deck is playing an engine. Uh, when so, they become ubiquitous, they're an issue. Yeah. For example, I think Illusion of I'm Chaos. I'm fine with that. Illusion of Chaos Souls as an engine is really cool because not every deck plays it, and the only decks that can really take advantage of it are on it. Uh, when it's Destiny Hero, Destroyer, Phoenix, Enforcer, it sucks. Because when, when you're playing against the same thing every time, it's bad. So, Agreed. I, importantly, I think Diabell Star is good, but it's not good in every deck. Uh, Horus is cool, but again, it's not good in every deck. And both the Diabell Star and the Horus packages are actually kind of sizable. So you could even... I think engines are problematic when it's just like one card. Like it's Fusion Destiny, right? That's when I think it gets bad, yeah. is when it's just like the card and the cards you play to enable the card. But when it's like sure. a suite of stuff you can search with the Diabell Star cards, or it's like your rank 8 suite with Horus, and like what are you choosing to use as your discard outlets, when it's more sizable, I think it becomes like a part of the deck rather than just an engine that you slot in. Sure. So there's a fine line to walk, though, and I agree that engines can be really bad. All right. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Uh, of course, thank you again to all of our wonderful sponsors. And of course, thank you to all of our patrons. So a huge thank you to Kane Martin, Zyphers, Big Stinky, Blois is Best, Copium, Ding Dongs, Hostess of the Yang Zang, Give Me That Harassi, Konami, uh, 17 Days. HGH Shiber, I used to play Rogue, but then my mom got a job. If the grocery store is one mile away and an average male walks five miles per hour, why is it taking my dad 18 years to return with milk? John Leal, Maple Money Brain Gang, Mountain Man, Oatmeal Spaghetti, Owen Alvarez, Pistol Place Pendulums, A Silver Hope, Tuco Salamangrate, Understanding and Reading are two different things, Virtually Savior's World, Yo, Skyhawk, Slapped an Owl, Bro, That's Just Foul, Aaron Gardner, Alexander Chan, Asami, Ashless Chaps, Atsuyo, Simba the Silver Castle, Blackwing Silver when the Ascendant is the best floodgate, Boxwine, Come on and get your game on, Duty Booty, Dragon Maidenless Behavior, I'm about to read a glimmer for Trooper Cossies, Plant Nuts in Your Mouth, Level 4 Fire Warrior Gaming, Llama, Yama, Cam, Sarama, Maxi, Pagnishi, Omen Red, and Pingo143, Thank you all for your continued support of the podcast. And of course, until next time, have a great day, everybody. I got to watch. I can see what your stupid card pun is today. Uh, <laughs> I got a good one for you. I want to okay. be an American idiot. <laughs> You're Canadian. <laughs> Maple money gang. Let's go. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> have a great week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.